Hello, this is Severin Henderson back again with another episode of Department 3C Presents, a podcast. Today I'm going to be talking with my friend, my good friend Troy Berry. We have another episode that we did together that's going to come out as a bonus episode. reason that is because I'm not as technically savvy as I thought I was. I've recorded it over Zoom and um, I uploaded it to YouTube and I needed some extra help to get the audio going properly. So if you check that video or if you check that episode out on YouTube, I appreciate it, but it will be on the podcast as well as a bonus episode. So that was about a month ago and we were talking about pop culture type of stuff, um, getting him ready for his debut on TMZ and things of that nature. So we're going to do an episode very similar to that, but just on a different day. So we're recording this today on September 10th, one day before September 11th. Um, and at the same time, this is a show by a first responder. So I have to talk about the effects of 9-11. Like today was the day that a lot of people were getting ready to go to bed and wake up the next day just for another day of life. And we had the unfortunate events that happened that day. They, the, those events took our country and totally changed it, changed the dynamic of the country. But the thing that was positive, we were all together on the same front at the same time with each other. We're in a little different space now, and that's kind of what me and Troy are going to talk about on today's episode. The other thing I wanted to talk about real quick before me and Troy got into it, um, usually I have it on video, but I don't have video today, but I wanted to promote my buddy's new clothing line um, he has a clothing line. It's called 13th Floor. The website is www.13thflor.com. And when this episode airs, you'll be able to get 15% off your order if you use the code DEPT3C. That's just short for Department 3C. So I'm trying to promote one of my other friends out there that's on the fire department and it's also a first responder and his code we're well not his code but his mantra for his clothing line is uplift empower and elevate so please check out their website 13thfloor.com again www.13th the number is 13thfhlor.com and without further ado troy barry how are you today sir I am good, just sitting here waiting for uh, the football game to start, and happy to be talking to you again, sir. Okay, I'm I'm very happy to have you on again. So, you kind of got into one of the things I want to talk about, football's back. So, who who's playing tonight, who are you watching, who are you going to root for, what's, your, what's some of your expectations for the upcoming NFL season? Well, <clears throat> the game is on is the um, uh, Houston and... Um, Kansas City, I wouldn't say I'm rooting for anybody. I'm just going to watch. I'm not a football fan, but I'm not a, really a fan of either one of those teams. I'm a Browns fan, so unless the Browns fan, I'm just watching. I'm not rooting, so to say. Okay, that's understandable. Watching just for just for fun, just for entertainment. I'm with that. Um, two of the biggest black quarterbacks that are in the game right now. Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson just signed, uh, I think he just signed an extension. Well, they both signed extensions this year, right? Yeah, both of them signed an extension. Um, they, I believe right now they are the, the two highest paid 
uh, quarterback for football right now. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, um, once you add in Russell Wilson, uh, three of the top um, five highest-paid quarterbacks are black, which is, a, you know, quite a remarkable feat, considering at one point that they didn't think black players are smart enough to play quarterback. Now they're at the top of the league as far as making the most money. Right, so that kind of speaks to one of the other, our rival, because we're both from Cleveland, um, from the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson. People were telling him he should have been a running back, a receiver. And that quote he made, even though, you know, I don't really like the Ravens just because, like I said, they're a division rival, but he said it's pretty good quarterback stats for a running back. And so that right. that speaks to how well they're doing with the with and at the position. Right. Like you could it could even be said that, you know, the top uh four quarterbacks in the league are are black. You know, once you add in Lamar Jackson considering that he won M V P last year, so you know, it's it's been a you know, it's been a, a, a hill to climb, but you know, hard work yields good results. Right. Yeah, and that and it's a shame. And, oppor- and, and opportunity. You know what I'm saying? You got to, you know, you got to have the opportunity as well. You know, you, you know, nobody knows how good somebody can be or how well they can excel at something unless they're given the opportunity. Right. I was, I was just gonna say, it's a shame that it even took that long to recognize the skill set. And the, the, the thing I think about how that all develops and everything is just over time, you just have what you think the prototypical quarterback is supposed to be and supposed to be able to do. And that's just always equated to other players. I know we had some um, black quarterbacks break in here and there, but for the most part, it was, nah, your position is to do everything else but this thinking position. Right, absolutely. So It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like, even if you go to another sport, like if you go to baseball, like, a lot of the, the great pitchers are pretty much all white, and all of the best hitters are all black, I would say, other than, like, you know, Mickey Mantle or maybe and Babe Ruth, uh, cats like that. But, yeah, well, Babe, yeah, yeah, Babe Ruth played outfield. But, um, yeah, it's kind of, you know, like, there's not been a lot of great black pitchers, you know what I'm saying, like starting pitchers. Like, when you think of pitchers, you always think of, like, uh, the great pitchers like Nolan Ryan or Roger Clemens or uh, guys like that. Right. So just the stereotypes and stigmas and not just sports but life all around. Just kind of follow us and go wherever we go. So that kind of leads me down another path. I was at the beginning of this podcast, I was talking about how September 11th will be tomorrow and how as a country we were all united and all on the same front and kind of now we're very divided as a country. Um, I wouldn't, I'm not going to ask you why because I think we kind of already know why, but what do you see as something we could do to maybe come together? Like kind of that nine post 9-11 area, that, that, September 12th, 2001. Uh, you know, like back then, I don't think that, you know, the country was so divided along party lines. Like all of this division today is more so political people, you know, just their 
weird spelling, so to say. You know, because like, uh, like back then, you know, the 911 thing, that was, that was an attack on America. Like when, you, when I say a, an attack on America, like the, the country as a whole. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, this is, even though we are at each other's necks, and we probably even shouldn't be, but at the end of the day, none of us really want to see the country get attacked. Right. You know, so it's, so, it's kind of it's kind of different. It's, I don't I don't even really think you can compare the two. Uh huh. Well, you talk about you can't compare the time now to the, compare the area the era then or just the time mindset we were in then. Well, you know what I'm saying. Just what uh, what brought us together back then, and what you know can bring us together now. Like that was a a tragic thing. Like you would have thought you know, that the coronavirus, you know, would have brought us together as a country, but... Well, that's again, what... When I, right. That's what again, I thought, too. Yeah. <laughs> again, when you go back to the, um, the whole political and the, the partisan thing, it's like, you know, once the guy that, that's in there, down got in, he... A lot of things changed to us in my opinion, to a court. Mm-hmm. And, and it's almost like, like when he rolled in, he, he just came in as a businessman and not of the political establishment. So someone else's ilk, he doesn't, he doesn't take, this, take it serious enough, so to say. And like, when you got that much money, you don't think anything but, but money. You know what I'm saying? So science be damned, uh, norms and things that typically happen, that typically happen be damned. And people pick sides, even though, you know what I'm saying, science has always been the the thing that guided us as as human spirit, you know. There's no evolution or no advancement in the human race or the humans, you know, being able to, you know, prosper on this earth. Science is a part of, that, of all of that. But when you get somebody in office that had 62 million people vote for him that don't believe in, in science, they're going to listen to what he say. Then you got the other 65 million that's like, we're holding up. So it's very unfortunate. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. It's very unfortunate where we're at right now. And you kind of said what I was trying to get at, the fact that Back then, it was one common enemy that was someone else. And now the common enemy you would think would be the virus and let's, hey, get together and put it out. But when you have people giving misinformation from all over the place, it's kind of hard to, you know, stick with one side or another. The other thing I read a, you know, seen memes and texts all over the Internet and things, they say, Two of the things that you can't empathize with are, well, one of the things you can't empathize with is something that's not happened to you. It doesn't affect you. And so coronavirus, if you don't know anybody that had it or passed away, it doesn't affect you. And same thing with racism. Right. If, if, right, like it's like, yeah, go ahead. No, that was it. Just racism and the virus. If if it's not defect, if directly affecting you, you don't really know that it's going on. Right, like, you know what I'm saying? You, you can't see a virus. You know what I'm saying? 
but you can see planes crashing in the building. You can see people jumping out of buildings. You can see buildings coming down. And then you can, you know, you can see the news and, and see that, well, these people are to blame. Right. Or, or, or that thing is to blame. So since you can see it, you can get more angry about it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, it's like with the uh, the coronavirus, unless you see somebody die from it, you're not going to take it serious. When I say, and when I say see, I mean like somebody that you know. Like a fan, yeah, somebody you know that you that? know, maybe a family member, a close friend, a neighbor that you saw every day, and now they just gone from that. Right. Then you're going to take it serious, but like going back to the to the nine eleven, you know what I'm saying? We seen that that was an attack on our tallest building or one of our ta- tallest buildings in our country. In the in the pretty much in the biggest city, the the most populous right. city in our country. Right, and you know what I'm saying? And then like people in your profession, like the firemen, and then you got. Uh, all the police officers that ran in, you know what I'm saying? And you guys are people that we consider our heroes. We seen them people perish. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and again, we seen what was something that a lot of Americans looked at as our strength crumble down to rubble. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that kind of thing can bring some bring people more together than. So I don't know if you all the way remember, I'm sure you do, but like back around that time, the conspiracy theorists that started coming out with different stuff. And that was even a division then. Like, people was like, hey, this really happened. Other people was like, eh, maybe not. So that was, sometimes it takes hold, sometimes it doesn't. People have their opinions one way or another. But it just didn't divide how we're, as a country, how we're divided now. Right, like, they was talking about how you can see the charges going off. Right. After, um... The, the floor below, the yeah, and how it came straight down, and it was just yeah, so, man, like, so much stuff. Yeah, it was a lot of it, and it was like, why did that other building fall and didn't get hit? And you know, it was it was a lot of stuff back then. But at the end of the day, we seen them planes fly to a building. Well, you know, and that stuff is still out there. You know, what I'm saying people still all something. Hey, I don't know, but yeah, you know, that's just that's just part of. Being humans, everybody try to question everything instead of just using their common sense. Yeah. So uh, while while we're here, let's let's sit here, let's stay here for a little while. Um, we know we have an election coming up November third, but to speak to that, some of these people that are voting now weren't even alive when nine eleven happened. Yeah, so, ain't that crazy? Yeah, it's like it's like they read about it in history books, or you know, they hear never forget. They like never forget what because I wasn't even around. Never forget what. So, right. what do you think? Like. You, you have some young people in your life, like your family members and everything. Do you hear anything from different young people that have anything to say? Not about 9-11 necessarily, but just about how they think the country calamity is right now? You know what? Not, you know what? not really, because, I mean, to be honest, I'm, I'm not really around that, 
that many young people that are voting age. Um, uh, Labor Day weekend, I was around uh, Imani, my cousin. I asked her if she was uh, registered to vote. She said, yeah. Uh, and she talked about, you know, things a little bit, but not too much. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it's, it's a lot of BIs that we still need to convince. Yeah, to, more to, than these than these little kids. Well, I, I, I won't say like, that. I won't say more than these little kids. I'm just gonna call them young people. <laughs> but I think well, yeah, you know everybody needs to you know take a part in what's gonna go on and what's gonna affect their future. So right, right. So like you know, like younger younger people, you know they they did get to see the town and when. You know, there wasn't so much strife and, um, you know, people not at each other's necks. And, you know, things were a little bit more smooth and everything wasn't about politics, politics, politics. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, they, they're they old enough to vote and they see the, the direct opposite of that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, well, why is it like that now? Well, you know, the, the people that you know, we can, you know, kind of school them and give them game. Well, this is what it is. Like, you know, it's, it's caused by this guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, like, I've always been in the politics even as a little kid. And, like, like even I can't remember when uh, Reagan was president. You know what I'm saying? That's how much I've been in the politics. Right. And especially with, uh, and yeah, was, especially with Bush. President, president when we were born. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, um, I, of course, I only remember the head is probably because I'm you know, we, we was but we was eight then. Well, I was eight. Cause right. I, re- I remember because I I paid attention to politics even then. I knew who to press, and you know that's kind of a tribute to some of our teachers as well. Even in school back then, you know, you had to know who the president was, the vice president, how the House of Representatives works, how the Senate works, just all yeah. of that stuff. So, all of that stuff, I, I still remember and know about all that from, like you said, from Reagan. But you know what I'm saying? Other than other than other than nine eleven, which is so crazy that we, you know, are doing this this podcast uh right now. Other than that time, and I guess you could say at the beginning of Obama um presidency, there wasn't really strife, you know what I'm saying, during the, the early parts of Obama presidency presidency. Mm-hmm. But man, it's just everybody is just at each other's throat. Right now, I can't remember it being like this. Yeah, it, right. You know what I'm saying? This is the first time I've ever seen anything like this. And, and all this, this, these past three and a half or so years are going to, you know, like when you were in school, when you were in school, you had your textbook, you had your different, uh, you had your chapter, you had the, the, the different things within the chapter, and they can just um, hit and hit and hit and hit. This, Past three and a half years, it's probably going to be a book itself. Right. Forget <laughs> a cha- forget a chapter. It's going to be twenty twenty. The story, right? Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like the kids in the future that's going to read about. You know what I'm saying? These kids that's not even born yet, not even close to being thought about. Yeah. When they read what happened in this year, they were like, "Ain't no way all of that happened." Yeah. This 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 <laughs> is been. This has been a heavy, a heavy year. And I think just my 
humble opinion is that technology has helped us get to a lot of these places. Not like in a bad way, because I always say it's a bunch of great inventions, the telephone, um, the telephone, the television, and the internet. And the internet is just to the point now where you can spread anything. You can, anybody can say or do anything. They don't have to have any facts or be substantiated in any way. It's just, hey, I think the sky is green. Me too. <laughs> it just goes like that. Before, yeah, you, you kind of look at it a certain way, it does look green to me. Right. <laughs> and then you're talking to the colorblind person while they're saying that. But it's it's just that's that's helped spread a lot of the things. So while and then uh, oh, no, let me let me let me speak on that. It's funny you brought that up because I okay. was actually thinking about that today because I wanted to talk about that because I was no. Uh, you know, talk about the whole science thing. Like, it's interesting. Like, like you said, everything is so easy to consume. There's so much out there to consume. Yeah. And and when it, like when we're talking about science and how there's all these you know science deniers out here, and you know they don't want to believe the science because of science. You know what I'm saying? Just think about how everything has progressed. You know, back in the day, you had, used to have, like, way back in the day, you have to just walk and, you know what I'm saying, uh, tell people things. They have, they have to walk to them and tell them. Right. You know what I'm saying? They were, uh, there you had the, uh, you could, like, go to the, when uh, mail first started. Yep, post you office. Way back you could, then. Right, you could send post stuff off. Post office and all that. Yeah, you write a letter. Then it, it, it got to a point where, you know what I'm saying, then you, you had email. You know what I'm saying? You could send an email, but you couldn't send a picture with it with an email. You could just send word. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You could you know what I'm saying? Then it got to the point where you could have video conferencing or even before that you could finally attach a, a picture email. Then you have video conferencing. Then you got stuff like now, like Zoom, and you got Facebook, and you got Twitter, and you got Instagram, and you got, you have so many ways to send or receive information. information. And that's that's all because of science. And people will sit on, people will be on their phone, on their laptop, on their iPad, or any other kind of tablet, or even maybe even talking into a smart face, uh, a smart speaker, and saying, I'm, I don't believe in the science. Everything <laughs> around you is science. So you're saying everything is pointing to science, and you're saying, I don't believe in the science. <laughs> you saying, I don't believe in the science. Like, it's literally, uh, it's literally a thought that I cannot comprehend. You walk in your house, you turn on the light. Science, engineering. Electricity. All, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All that stuff. It all goes back to science. And then people out there, well, the coronavirus ain't real. It's, it's just a bunch of made up malarkey. That's, that's such nonsense. And it, it makes me so angry. Yeah. Because you use, you use the science to say that the science ain't the science when you use the science. <laughs> right. It makes no sense to me. Yep, it makes zero sense to me as well. So 
I never thought about it like that, but your argument does make sense. Like you said, it's the science and everything, and they just say, nah, not that kind of science. Not, not that not, kind of science. Not, not, not doctor science, so that, that makes sense. <laughs> what I was, what was going to ask you um, before we get out of here, because I got another guest coming, um, give me, we were talking about 9-11. We kind of sat there for a little bit, and it's coming up. Can you tell me your, what you were doing that day? Oh, yeah, I remember it like it was a minute ago. Uh, I was in college. I think I was in my, was in my third year. Yeah, I was in my third year, 2001. Um, I had a, a roommate. He was from Ireland. He uh, played on the golf team. And I'm in my room, sleep, getting ready to get, you know, getting ready to get up soon to go to class. And I heard him out in the um, in our living room of our apartment. He's like, "Oh my God!" Like in his in his Irish voice. And I come out. He's like, "Troy, there's planes flying into buildings." I'm like, "What?" And then at at that moment, I seen another plane hit the uh, World Trade Center. I'm like, "You know what? This ain't just some guy flying around and made a mistake." This is this is likely an act of terrorism. Mm-hmm. But then you know, I say you just start you start clicking through all the different news channels and and seeing everything. Then you learn about the um I think the Pentagon yep. came first. Uh-huh. And then it was the um flight that crashed in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like we was me and my then girlfriend, now wife. We were glued to the TV all day. They canceled class. And yeah, we were, you know, we were watching that stuff all day. It was, it was one of the craziest days ever. So that, like you said, when you first started out, that, that changed everything, man. Yeah, that changed. That changed everything. Um, my story, I was sleep on the couch and I had to go to, that was when I had my part-time fire job. And I was sleep on the couch, and I just woke up and was just watching regular TV. And it just happened to see, hey, a plane hit the, hit the World Trade Center. And I thought it was like a small little prop plane or something, you know, that kind of um, carry the banners that says something behind them, like, right. get by Geico, will you marry me? Something, you know, like that. And I thought that hit and it was just an accident. And while I was watching the TV, another one just came. And then that's when I was like, oh, this is like yeah, for real. Yeah, that's the same. So it's like you woke up the same time I did. Yep. And, and like I said, I was sleep because I had came from my other um, fire job the night before. And I was just kind of beat, just kind of tired. And like I said, sleep on the couch, woke up, turned on the TV, getting ready to go to the other station. Because it's so funny that... um station and i think they still have it now that was the first day we were supposed to get our new engine and we were all supposed to have a training where we go up there and we um you know learn how to pump and all that other good fun stuff so in in the and we still learned how to pump and everything that day we still had to come to work but every channel oh wow Every channel had it on. I remember I turned to Nickelodeon just to see if it was on there. It, every channel, Home Shopping Network, um, any channel that you had back then, and that's back in the day well, when you could just flip forever. Well, I wasn't looking right. to escape it. I was just looking to see who had the best coverage, and just every channel had it on. The radio, when I was driving up to work, even though it wasn't that far away, had it on, and... 
honestly, even though we were there training, I felt like that was the safest place to be was at that fire station. So. Dude, it was, I, I remember, like, it was on ESPN. Yep, it was on I ESPN. I remember that, you're right. It was on ESPN. Yep, it was on And ESPN. then I remember, I remember they, they was talking about Cleveland, like how the planes circled Cleveland or something, something about Cleveland. I started worrying about Cleveland. I'm yeah, like, yep, yep. Because, right, the plane. They, they, they evacuated Tower City and all kind of stuff, I remember. Yep. The, I think the plane was, like, flying over. It was something to do with Cleveland because it ended up crashing in um, Pennsylvania. And it, it, was something right. to, it was something to do with that. And then, like, you know, my family is up there, and I called my mother. She's like, let's just get in the car and go to Pennsylvania. I said, well, what are we going to do up there? So, right. So, that, that, that's way out of the way anyway. Right. So I said, we're going <laughs> to drive into some mess. So... All right, Troy. Um, well, I have to, like I said, I have another guest coming on the show, but I really appreciate you coming on. We're going to have to do this again. Like I said, I want you to be my regularly scheduled pop culture political person. So we'll talk again. Yeah. But you got you to gotta be on time next time. Like I said, I, dude, I, dude, I was waiting <laughs> on you. Yeah, you was waiting on I me after waiting. after fifteen minutes, and I had told you ten minutes earlier. But that's <laughs> that's okay. Dude, I, I, I was like, "What's going on?" I thought he was going to uh, send me the message, but whatever. I, I got you. I ain't do that on purpose. I guess miscommunication. Yeah, you and you and DraftKings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll talk to you later on, Troy. All right, sir. All right. Bye. Okay, I'm back with the second part of the episode with Tony Staunton. Um, Tony is a friend of Ambrosia. This is another opportunity where I get to interview someone that I just met. So they're not my buddy yet, but they'll be my buddy soon because, like I said, I'm pretty friendly and like most people. So, <laughs> so um, Tony, like I said, on the episode I had with my good friend Ambrosia, she is the bar woman knows all about all the alcohols ever in the history of life so if you didn't check out that episode please go check it out if you like booze or even if you don't we talk about booze on there but she was telling me um even before that podcast the episode that she had a friend who like worked in the industry but had times where he didn't drink and I'm like that does not make sense that's like that just doesn't really go together so she was just telling me about his crusade and he has a movement or a mission on wide awake 52 so tony's here to talk to us about that we're going to talk about that and um how people cope just not the opposite of booze but booze with consciousness to it so tony without further ado how are you today excellent how are you i'm doing great thanks for having me on i really appreciate it thank you for coming i really appreciate it as well excellent so, Tony, what made you start with the Wide Awake 52? Just kind of give me some, give me a description of it and how it goes. So, a friend of mine uh, who hasn't drank for many years, um, another Irishman, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, I think you're right, drinking. Right, we hear the accent. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> oh, I think you're drinking too much, blah, blah, blah. You should, you should stop drinking. So, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I can do this. Uh-huh. This isn't the problem for me. 
<laughs> you know, so I was like, so then after, you know, one night of drinking with some of my bartender friends, we were like, why don't we make a, a web series about it and uh, kind of interview other bartenders? And then after we kind of thought about it a bit more, we decided to uh, just do some interviews and talk about how different people, professionals, um, in the hospitality business, like bartenders and so on, how they kind of keep a grip on it. Because uh, what I found when, when I was younger, it was very easy. to You just kind of get into a routine where you get off work at 2 in the morning, and mm -hmm. next thing you know, you're out, and then you're at a 4 a.m. bar, and then the lights go up, and then you sleep all day, and mm -hmm. next thing you know, a decade of your life has gone by, and you're <laughs> like, uh, so it's sometimes you got to take a step back a little bit, mm -hmm. and... Uh, that was kind of, I took, so I took a whole year off, uh -huh. and uh, we are wrapping up the. Uh, we've got one more episode to do for right away. You know, we've interviewed fifty-two bartenders across five cities in the United States. Okay, and then we're going to make it into a short. You'll know all about. It. You'll be sick of me telling you about it when it's ready. But it's, mm. we got a little bit of work editing to do. But I'm very excited about it. Nah, I don't think I could get sick of something like that. It sounds really interesting. What um five cities did you go to? Uh, obviously, well, of course, Chicago. Uh, all the way to Milwaukee, which okay. is, uh, you know, pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did Nashville, uh, New Orleans, and Seattle. Nashville. And obviously, obviously, sweet home Chicago. Right. New Orleans. You said Seattle? Yes, sir. Okay. So what, and, and, and you know what is so interesting about those, about those places? Those are all like heavy drinking places. Like Nashville is like, they call it... I think Little Vegas and Nash Vegas, yeah. Yeah, Nash Vegas and people go out there and just have a ball. New Orleans open carry on the street, do whatever you want to <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, they're already ready for COVID before they, it they're it, like ready to take liquor to go. You exactly. Know? <laughs> exactly. And um Seattle's the only one I don't I'm, I mean, I know they do like super coffee and stuff like that, but I Well it's like Ireland, it rains a lot, so uh -huh. they have to find a lot of creative people, a lot of yeah. people that drink coffee, but a lot of people that drink alcohol. Also. Okay, cool. So uh, you went to all those cities, interviewed bartenders, and what did you learn? What what was like a common thread between all the bartenders that you spoke to? Uh, the main thread I would say is that it's you're kind of expected to be sociable mm -hmm. after work. You kind of once you join a crew or a team of other bartenders, or or you know if you're working as a server, you kind of become part of a family. And then you know at the end of your hard day. Everyone sits around and has a drink or a cocktail, and they kind of talk about their day. And mm -hmm. oh, I had Karen on table twelve. Wanted to speak to the manager. Mm -hmm. and, you know, she was giving me busting my chops. You that the right name, Karen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a quite popular name right now. Yes, but uh, you know, so there's a lot of. So what happens is, it's the younger people. What happens is, so say you're a young lad and you're starting off, and you uh, you meet me, and I'm like older. I'm like not as old as I am, but I'm in my twenties. Yeah. And you were like, uh, you're going to start off as a barback, so you're going to get the ice, and you're going to do all the stuff that the bartenders don't want to do. And, but then afterwards, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, can I, have, can I have a drink with you guys? It's kind of like that peer pressure, mm -hmm. and uh, they want to be accepted by their peers. And what happens is then, but what happens is, unfortunately, it also creates, it's just a habit of a routine. And a lot of guys, when they're not working, actually don't really drink that much. Right. It's just because we're in an industry where it's like pr drinking alcohol is promoted as a good thing. Yes. Having fun and... But it's like something you have to be able to just switch it off a little bit. So what happened is I found that it's basically it just masquerades a lot of other things that we as humans, just mm -hmm. all humans, that we kind of suffer from. So it's mm -hmm. uh, you'll find out in your thirties, like oh, what you're doing in your twenties is kind of like going to catch up. It cleared up, you know, the air cleared, but it took like a minute to do it, myself included. Right. So in the industry, I know I spent a lot of times in different bars and different places. That's how I met Ambrosia. It's being in a bar, but customers, especially friendly customers, they like 
buying their bartender or their server drinks. So is that like something that kind of factors into the whole... Well, yeah, well, the American places, yeah, you can drink, you can do a shot with the customer. A lot of the Irish bars, they won't do it because the young Irish guys can't handle it and they'll be, uh, they'll be over, they'll have overserved themselves by the end of the night and then they can't do the money and Mm -hmm. bars. Whereas I think a lot of American bartenders, they know how to handle it. Okay. Um, And also, there's other habits that kind of fall into play with that. Okay. Because you're doing a full eight hour shift, you know, but you might do, you might have a couple of shots, Mm -hmm. but then a couple of shots might turn into like, 10 shots, mm-hmm. 12 shots, but over 8, 10 hours, and your body, can, what happens is your body starts to process it. So like when I was at my peak, I could do that, and then I'd be like, oh, Severin, where are you guys going later on? You know, I'm going to I want to clean up the place, and I'll meet you now. Yeah. I'll meet you later. But like, I mean, if I did that now, I'd be sick for two days. But like, young me, I was like, yeah, let's go, you know. I did that quite a lot. Because, <laughs> well, you hit the nail on the head as far as talk about 4 a.m. bars in Chicago. That's like one of the places where you can do that. And then you can even find something after do after the 4 a.m. bar. You you know, it's just different places to go and different things to do. Some, most cities shut down around 2 and then that's just it. Go home and call it a day. But in this city, we just stay up for extra long. Uh, yeah, I think you have to start cutting yourself off. Like a certain time, you have to be like, okay, I have to do stuff tomorrow. Right, I have I have a day to live. So it's kind of like you're just like a third shift type of zombie person at some point. Uh, yeah, you'll find actually, if you go to the uh, private clubs that are open 24-7, you'll meet a lot of uh, firefighters and a lot of yes. uh, PD and a lot of guys who are working unusual shifts also. Yes, that, and right, that's the thing. Like, um, I would... Just at work, I would be up all times of crazy, just crazy times, go home, take a nap, and then I wake up like nine, ten o'clock. So like, what, what am I doing? What am I going to do now? And then it's just leads to going out and doing other things. So I myself had to get that under control. And, you know, they say everything in moderation, even moderation. So I had to get that together. So as far as with the wide awake 52 and you just – cut it off for 52 weeks to equal that year. Did you find it hard at any point? Was it difficult or you just was so... So right when we were starting to do the series, I had a good friend of mine who was also a bartender, and he, a young guy, and he killed himself. Oh, I'm and, sorry uh, to hear that. Yeah, it was really sad, and he knew a lot. Of, he, I won't mention his name, but, he, you know, a lot of people in the industry knew him, and he was like a rising star. You know, he's a really well-liked guy, and uh, I don't know the whole story, uh, but the... The point I'm trying to make is that, you know, it's okay to not, you know, today also is actually uh, World Suicide Awareness Day. Yep. And Hope I for the Day had a post today, a little bit about that. Hope for the Day is a cafe in uh, Wicker Park, and uh, the proceeds go towards the charity uh, to help uh, suicide awareness. Okay. And, uh, but basically, what I'm trying to say is that we're, as humans, we're cultured not to ask for help. We're supposed to be, and the thing is like, you know, it's, you should be able to ask for help, and it shouldn't be a big deal Right. You know, and I think that we just need to talk about it more. That's all. And uh, just say, hey, you're not feeling good. Like, you know, call your friend or, you know, do something. You know, you don't have to be on your own. You know, there's plenty of people out there that have gone through the same thing that you have. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we all have bad. Nobody has, everyone has dark days and, uh, you know, but there is sunshine at the end. And you just have to, uh, you know, pick up the phone or go for a walk or, you know, just, it's... uh, it's never the end, you know? Yep, it, you, you have to, I 1,000% agree with that. That's really a part, of, a big part of the reason why I even started my podcast and started my show was just because 
in the first place we had in, in our service um, with public safety workers, just a lot of suicides, um, police officers, firefighters, paramedics. Um, even back in my old hometown, they just had a police officer um, complete suicide. So my thing is we have to talk about this in some kind of way. I mean, you can't fix any problem. You know, there's eight steps to problem solving and, First step is realizing there's a problem. Um, then you got to talk about the problem, you know, collect the data and everything. So I, that's what my show and movement is kind of about, is talking about those issues just to see what we can come up with. So I really appreciate you saying oh, yeah. that about, about the guy. So, um, again, you, you said you, you went out. So, like, like I said, was it tough? Did you Were you, like, going to these bars, like, oh, look at that they got like a new jameson behind the bar i want to taste it <laughs> uh well i think when you're a bartender you're being a member of the bartender's guild you're like exposed there's lots of places where you can go to drink and mm -hmm. uh you know and drink for free like to sample new stuff and it's very social you meet other bartenders who are very well able to keep up mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it's not like you're uh you know when you're going out with my girlfriend it's like she's only one or two drinks and then we have and to that's go. it yep and that's good for i actually prefer that because if i was dating a girl who drank like me it's not it would just not be good you know? <laughs> it'd have been a problem <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's very easy to kind of get into and it's great the edge we're so spoiled in chicago there's so many different brands that want like chicago is basically a test market for a lot of uh different liquor brands okay for the whole country okay so we uh get exposed to a lot of that and there's also a lot of people that want to educate uh, uh bartenders about their product mm -hmm. so you get invited to a lot of really neat events and you get to network with some great people mm -hmm. and uh you get to have really a lot of fun on your days off okay and uh, that's right there so you kind of have to you have to decide okay is this going to be am i going to learn something from this or am i just going there to drink it's a just whole, a party drink a whole <laughs> bottle of free liquor you know yeah. it's like uh, you know and it's great it, we're, as i said we're just so spoiled with those options you know what i mean right ambrosia um Meeting her, she took me to my first um, cider event, and it was it was a Navy Pier, and it was just fun. I mean, it wasn't we didn't we didn't die, we didn't like drink to death or anything, but you know, you just walk around and the knowledge and the experience and the descriptions is so much to it as far as drinking. Like I taste hints of where in goat came and stood <laughs> on this tree with just three hooves and the other hoof was in the air waving at people and it just the descriptions are so in-depth and fun so yeah it's 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 interesting <laughs> and it starts off that way but then by the end you kind of like just not listening and drinking at least that's what i yeah you're just being sociable <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely yeah just kind of hanging out and then we went to another thing that was sponsored where like you said in chicago they just bring so much test stuff to see how it does for everywhere else so the the biggest question i'm thinking like what's your drink what's your drink of choice what do you like uh i really enjoy obviously irish whiskey uh -huh. there's a big movement right now obviously i am uh, 42 so when i moved to chicago first uh back in 2003 mm -hmm. everybody was drinking jameson mm -hmm. and jameson kind of uh, actually kind of helped the irish whiskey stay uh, like held it in the market like i've met people who are like oh jameson's from ireland i thought it was american like people don't even know wow. but because of that it's actually caused a huge a lot of uh big companies are getting involved now in irish whiskey uh -huh. so there's like a lot of new brands like uh, slain irish whiskey is very prevalent right now that's owned by uh, uh brand foreman uh, you've got uh, Bacardi on a little piece of tealing. 
Uh, just to name a few I other... I didn't know that. But there's some other big... Like, there's big companies getting involved in it now, so you're going to see a big movement. So with that, there's a lot of really nice whiskey being made, so... Now, um, Irish, which, which Irish whiskey do you like in particular? Like, give me, give me some, like, sleep, sleepers. Uh, well, sleepers, I would say Slain are about to make a new pot, another pot still. Okay, uh, Slain. But it could Urbans. be a year or two out, Slain. Um, but their actual regular one is delightful because it's a triple cap. So all the whiskeys, Irish whiskey has to be aged for three years and a day. That's like their law. Three years there. and a day. Yeah, Irish so whiskey. it's, uh, uh, but Irish Slain is a triple cast whiskey. So it's aged in raw oak. Uh, charred oak and a sherry cast, and then they blended that. They blend it together after three years. What makes their uh, whiskey different from everyone else is that they uh, use a sherry cast. Also, mm-hmm. most of the Irish whiskeys are made with American oak, uh, so the sherry cast gives it like a little bit of sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. And for the price point, it's right. It's great. So it's uh, obviously at our bar, we clearly we push it hard. Okay, but that's just one example. You know, there's a huge. It's just uh, you're gonna see a lot of that right now. Okay, you know. Now, you said our bar. What's, what's your bar? I forgot to ask you about I that. I am located at Harrigan's Irish Pub on Halstead. Uh, it is unfortunately closed right now due uh-huh. to the city ordinance, but we're hoping to get back open in a couple of weeks, hopefully. Okay. Yeah, we'll, well after we yeah get, get out of corona life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be good. To, you know what? When this is all over, it's going to be a big party. All the young people are going to party. Mm, right. I think the old people over, older people are going to be more careful, but the young people are going to rip it up. Yeah, they they're gonna have have a ball. So you know what? That I I still want to ask you more about other other alcohols and other like sleeper picks. But before we get there, like you kind of brought up a good point with the coronavirus and young people gonna party it up, older people gonna kind of chill out. How do you think people are dealing with or coping with what's going on now? Like with booze, they usually they say when disasters happen, booze sales go up and everything else drops off. Have you kind of seen or heard anything like yeah, that? Yeah, so basically right now for a lot of the big liquor companies, uh, on-premise consumption is only 5% of their revenue. Okay. Uh, I have a friend of mine who works for a very reputable vodka brand, mm-hmm. and uh, they uh, are huge like in the restaurants and bars in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now there's such a demand for their product that they have the 1.75 bottles. Mm-hmm. There's a shortage of the bottles. They can't make the bottles fast enough. To put the booze so people in. people are going to Benin's or wherever <laughs> the li- their favorite liquor store is, and they're just going, all right, I'll just give me, because they don't want to make too many trips. So they're yeah. just like, yeah, I'll take four of those, and then they just stock up their home bar, and that's it, you know, so... Uh, it, people are just drinking a lot more at home, uh-huh. which means that people are going to have a much higher tolerance when they do come out. So they're going to have to be like, now they're going to be drinking doubles and triples. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, they're going to be like, oh, this I can't taste the vodka. And you're like... Well, they already say that now. Okay, Karen, <laughs> take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like, I, I remember, I I don't want to call it a mistake, but I went to bartending school. I was like, you don't really have to go to school for that. But I went and... and you know, when I was making drinks or learn learning how to make drinks, I was told to make them so that you're not supposed to taste the liquor. And then other people like, I want to taste all the vodka ever. Send it back if I can't taste anything. Well, it depends who you work with. Here's the thing with vodka, right? All uh-huh. the premium vodkas, like Tito's, Grey Goose, Kettle One, they're mm-hmm. all distilled over 10 times. Right. Right? Now, the only ones that you can taste are like the lesser expensive ones, like the Smirnoff or the Aristocrat, the Well Vodka, you're mm-hmm. going to be able to taste that because yeah. have that charcoal bite on it. I don't like uh, it. But the thing <laughs> is, if you have like a Tito's and soda or a Grey Goose and soda, or like what's, you're going to have like a nice soda, you know, um, like a Topo Chico and some fresh lime, uh-huh. or like a kettle and Topo Chico, and fr- you're not going to taste the vodka. Right. 
Because I know, because I tried to lose weight one time and I did like, I went into the soul kettle soda thing and my buddy was like, you had 28 kettle soda. I'm like, dude, why didn't you cut me off? You're going to kill me. <laughs> it's like, you can't taste, all you taste is the soda water. So you just, right, just sitting around drinking soda water. you wake up water, the next day and you're like, oh and God, feeling, what did I do? Feeling great at the time and yeah. then, right, like you And said. you're looking at your phone and who you texted. Oh man, these are I hate all, that guy. He yes. gets me in trouble all the time. These are all stories I do not miss. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I... I think if you right drink too excess at one point, you you have a embarrassing story where you did something kind of silly. Oh yeah, I, that face. We should have put that face on the cover of the episode. Cause I, I wish I wish everyone out there in podcast land could see it. His eyes got like as big as saucers and said, "Oh yeah." Hey, we've all been there, man. There's no one, no shame in admitting. You know uh -huh. that could be a whole other web series. You know, right. <laughs> so the thing that that was so interesting about what you just said is that people are in in the house drinking, and so when they come back out, they're gonna their tolerance is gonna be up. I never thought of that. Think about it. you're not a bartender, right? So you're making your own drink, and you're mm -hmm. like watching the. A movie or something. you're like you know what watching wanna, cocktail yeah I don't want to go back to the bar or to my kitchen or wherever I have I'll just pour a stronger drink and that'll slow me down uh huh now how many months are we into the coronavirus like five months March April May June July August this is September so six yes yeah, yeah, so you're doing that for, so Joe Joe the plumber's been doing that now for six months so he's uh, he's ready to go rage his know? tolerance is way up there yeah yeah, yeah. so when it, when it's time to hit the streets he gonna and what about those poor kids who are getting homeschooled by their alcoholic parents oh my you know? goodness. <laughs> Now that's that's a whole nother study that's gonna you have think to millennials be millennials are bad. Waiting for us, you know. Right, wait until this next generation. Yeah, they are gonna be resourceful. Yeah, they they. My um son is at home. He's like watching his school presentation upside down. I'm like, dude, you did. It's school at the same time. You can't sit upside down and watch your iPad. He's like, why? I can still see it. I'm like, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> so, um. So let's get back to some more like sleeper sleeper picks and boozes and alcohol. So I'll sleeper right now, uh, one of the key guys from Bacardi just left, Juan Coronado. Uh -huh. He just left Bacardi. He's like a global ambassador for those guys. And he went to a company called Magenta. It's a tequila company. Their old CEO just left. Uh, Mike Dolan retired from Bacardi as CEO in 2018. Okay. And he just started this tequila company called Magenta. Mm -hmm. And uh, Juan just left. So you're going to see something big is going to happen with that. Okay. So tequila, tequila's right kind of... Up and down, like one minute everybody's wanting to do shots of tequila, and then the next minute it's like get it away from us. So tequila's always like it's hard to, to tell, me. you know. Yeah. It's I don't know because you know we've had such a good run with bourbon and rye whiskey the mm -hmm. last ten years. Um, I don't know what's going to be. Next. Do you think champagne's going to come back? Or and and you know what? For me, it used to be when I was younger. It used to be. All what like rappers would do, and like rappers were really sure, Cristal. Yeah, well, not a hate Cristal because Cristal said we didn't want um we didn't want you guys drinking Cristal. Oh really? Yeah. So like Jay Z had the uh, Ace of Spade, and then like another rapper, Rick Ross, he was promoting something else. It's just they all that that was the big craze that they were buying alcohol brands, and I know a lot of actors. Like I think George Clooney has yeah, a, tequila a tequila brand, brand to, uh, for like a, almost a billion, right? Right, and I heard um, Jennifer Lopez. I think she has something to do with a brand, and then she was trying to buy the Mets with the money she made from the alcohol. I might be. I, I need a fact checker one day when I when I get big enough. I have somebody look up all that information for us. But so, it, to me, it seems that like a lot of celebrities usually push. Um, 
which alcohols are going on. And then like product placement in movies and like I said, songs, for instance, I'm drinking this, I'm drinking that. And a lot of times those taste disgusting. Like they're not, <laughs> they're not always good. So, or like, like Diddy, like he, he has Ciroc and now they have like every flavor of Ciroc ever and like if you mix them together, they taste like medicine, and then they don't even have Ciroc and real <laughs> bars and things like that. I don't see it as much anymore. Yeah, right when they first came out, it was you know it was cool. I actually liked it, but now like with all the flavors and everything, it's kind of like eh, it's kind of oversaturated to me. So those are not good ones. <laughs> yeah, vodka's uh, flavor. Vodka's kind of on the back burner at the moment. Yeah, because people want to drink healthy. They're trying to just drink vodka soda or. You know, gluten free and all, but all the way, all that is all gluten free anyway. Right. Like you put that sugar in it, the sweetener that contributes to your hangover. But again, if you drink ten of anything, if you drink fifteen of anything, you're gonna have a hangover. Yes. It doesn't matter whether it has sugar in it or not. Or not. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, you're still <laughs> drinking alcohol. So sure, you yeah. gotta just be cool. You gotta know when it's time to call it a night. You know. So speaking of that, knowing when it's time to call it a night, do you have any? I know one of the things, like I, like I said, when I was going to bartender school, they were trying to teach us how to identify when a customer has had too much and you don't want to overserve anyone. Kind of, can you give me some descriptions of that? How you can tell when it's time to shut it down? What, in your personal opinion? Well, you know, uh, what to do when we're training the new guys and stuff like that. You want to teach them about drinking, serving alcohol responsibly, because you know, you don't. I don't want. I want you to come back. I don't want you to have a good time. And the big thing that we pride ourselves at our bar is that the ladies, uh, single ladies, feel very comfortable at our bar. Mm -hmm. We have karaoke and it's on the TVs and it's like uh, every you know everyone's singing their favorite song, Lady Gaga song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the thing is, if you take care of the ladies, then I'm giving you away my secrets now. <laughs> but if you take care of the ladies, then the boys will come and they, uh, they you know, they'll spend a lot of money and then. I make money, and then everyone's happy. Everybody's right? happy. Yeah, yeah, if you take care of the ladies, if you look out for them, keep them safe. So I always find, like, the young guys are always trying to, like, yeah, give her, like, more shots, you know. Yeah. And then my friend would be served. And I'm like, no, dude, hang on. That's a 110-pound, 5'2", Italian-American girl. She probably doesn't need to do four shots of Patron all in a row. Mm -hmm. Just give her water. Just tell her, hey, take, you know, take five. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, you're going to be cleaning it up. You know? <laughs> you know, and we don't want, that's no fun. You that's, know, you got to just no, slow it down. Yes. You don't want to slow it down. Have been there before as well. So, yes, you get, don't want to be the, the cleanup person. Have to do No, that's that. no fun, you yeah, know. And uh, it's, it's just, it's supposed to, you know, enhance, improve. It's, yeah. You're not there to... Be sloppy and yeah, yeah, we've all been there. You know? We have been there. Well, and yes. there's no judgment when people leave the bar. Say you come into my bar and you're mm -hmm. a young lad, you're having fun, and mm -hmm. you're not causing any trouble, but you may, maybe you're not feeling too good, you're not feeling too hot. You mm -hmm. go home and you come in the next. I always tell the staff, don't ever say anything. These people are spending their hard, they work really hard for their money and mm -hmm. coming and having a good time. Don't. I had one guy, one door guy, he's like, oh, you're so drunk. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Just be quiet. You're not his mom. Just right. leave him alone. Don't make him, you know? don't make him feel No, feel you want to have a good, every day is a new day, you know? Exactly. Every day is a new day. Just, right, just, we're here to have fun. And yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what you want to you know? provide. That's what you want to provide. So, right, that's, that's great. The great thing with the city, though, is, like, no one drives. Everyone takes, like, an Uber or a Lyft or... You know, I'm with public transport. It's very easy to get home. Yes. So I think when you're in the suburbs, it's a little bit more difficult. Yeah, stuff is more spread out and a little bit further away. Yeah, here. And the one thing that I appreciate and like about our city is that the bars are so close. Like, a lot of bars, and then they like it that way because no bars like, yeah, I'm over here on an island all by myself. This is the only place you can come. 
So well, yeah, it's good if you want to. You know, if people are dating and stuff like that. You know, mm -hmm. I, everything's not on an app. You still, have, I've although I haven't seen a lot of guys go and do the uh, strikeout move. You know, what's the strikeout move? I've seen less of that. You know, where there's like you'll see like. So there'll be like three girls at the bar, beautiful uh -huh. girls, they're on the phone. Uh -huh. There'll be like another guy at the end of the bar, he's, he's on his phone. Uh -huh. And no one goes, hey, send that girl a drink on my tab. Like, no one has any... Uh, they don't do that anymore? No, I don't see it as much, man. I don't oh. have the, uh, you know, the uh, like Dave Chappelle would say, classic moments in hookup history. <laughs> yes. I don't see that anymore, you know? Right. When he I don't see him go, okay, I've got to take care of the friend and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. There's less of that now. So it's more, more swiping, more, um, yeah. what's the apps? Bumble, Tinder, um... All of those. I don't. I don't know the names of. I've been out of the game too long. So oh yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't. Well, know. you know, it's all. It's all about meeting people, right? Right. I and all digitally meeting people and like somebody beautiful, beautiful could be sitting right next to you, just missing them. But I don't know now. I mean, I'm 42, so I don't even know if I even said something to a girl. She might think I might call the police on me. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just be like, oh, like they're not even prepared. I don't even know. I don't even know. It's a whole new world out there. It's a whole new world, and then it's going to be a whole another new world when we're done with Corona, when everything like finally gets open for real. It'll be fine. We're going to be fine. I think we're at best case scenario. It's going to finish in the right around the election. Worst case scenario, we'll be back in business by the springtime. That's what I think. I um, just personal wise think springtime because, you know, cold and flu season is coming up September or October ish. Then you got to kind of ride that out and it's still going to be cold outside. So I, that's what I think. But for business sake, I, you know, the sooner the better, just because it's, People want to make money. People want to enjoy their oh, lives. Oh, yeah. It's holding everything up. Yes. That's that's the only thing. That's uh, the... But, you know, people have to get, you know, we have to get this vaccine out and people have to get healthy and yep. hopefully it'll all be hopefully good. it's going to get better, you know. Um. So, more booze talk. So, for a moment, myself, I was on a big scotch kick. I liked scotches a lot. Um... What's the one that I used to like the most? Um, Lafroig. Le, Lafroig. Yeah. yeah. It's very smoky. If you yeah. do smoke a cigar, mm -hmm. yeah, it's really, it goes really good with that. Right. Uh, there's an Irish whiskey called Connemara. Connemara, the, okay. Yeah, they smoke it with peat. It's got a very similar flavor mm -hmm. uh, to that. It tastes, it, it's real smoky, and then some of them are real earthy. It kind of tastes like you drinking. But then some of them are sweet, you know, like some of them are just so smooth. Yeah, it, and like when I had that it, like I never had any any problems any hangovers any anything it was and then other stuff I drink it it tastes like I drank poison from Cinderella and yeah well you got to find up. your way around you know I remember years ago I was having an argument with this guy about scotch and Irish whiskey because Irish whiskey is distilled three times and mm -hmm. scotch is just traditionally distilled twice mm -hmm. and yeah, I was just ordering like you know like a regular brand I wasn't going high end so I ordered everyone a shot of Jameson and uh, the guy came back and he go and we were like in a night I was visiting a friend of mine and it was a nice place so mm -hmm. uh, not really in my kind of <laughs> not in my part of the food chain but I was visiting a friend so I was like yeah so um we had the uh, the three shots came out and then he's like oh yeah that's because you guys mess it up so you so there was three of us and we're smoking cigars and he ordered uh so it was only three of us he ordered four four double Johnny blue label oh oh so it was a little bit wow. more expensive than Jameson. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he was like, uh, and I was like, who's the fourth one for? He goes, don't worry, I'll show you. So he brings out the blue label, and I'm like, sweet. He takes a cigar, and he dips it. He dips, the fourth one was to dip the cigar what? and smoke it. Uh, it, was, it tastes really good, especially when someone else is paying for it. So <laughs> I had to agree with him on that one. Yeah. I'd never heard of that one, but you were in the right place. Like you said, you were on the, <laughs> the high side of town. I'm, 
Yeah, yeah. It tastes good. It always, alcohol, okay, you want some pro tips? Alcohol always tastes better when someone else is paying for it. That, yes, that, that is the extra best. Extra something special, you know? I, I feel that way about home-cooked meals. It always tastes better when somebody else is doing it, and I can just show up. So <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. Um, red breast, that's what I was going to ask you yeah, about. Yeah, it's a, pot, a very famous pot still uh, whiskey from Ireland. That's the um, Irish whiskey that I think I like. The most. Oh, yeah, it's, it's real nice. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorites. Uh, what's great about that category, pot still, is there's going to be a lot more pot stills coming out, like lots of different ones. But uh, but red breast is the only macro. Macro meaning, like, you can get that pretty much anywhere. Okay. And now it is still expensive, but you can get it pretty much. You can get it even at our bar, you can, we have it. Okay. Now, what's um, pot stilling? Um... Uh, basically, it just means that it was, like, in a single... Um, in a single pot still, and then it was just aged in a single cast. Okay. So just one, one, come out, drink it up. Yes. Okay. Now, you were talking about the distilling process and how things are triple distilled and 10 times distilled. Doesn't, like, extra distilling take away a lot of the properties that makes the alcohol tasty? So here's the thing. Pot still was the original way that they made Irish whiskey. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then there's this guy. He used to work for the IRS. He was a tax guy. His name was Coffee. That was his last name. Okay. And he came up with this thing to help to, called stack stills mm -hmm. to create triple distillation. Mm -hmm. And the Irish whiskey makers are like, eh, we don't want it. So he went to Scotland, and they were like, yeah, we'll take it. Okay. All right. So this is all right. We're all around the time where our, then Ireland had its revolution against the, the Brits. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and before that, the British Empire would distribute Irish whiskey everywhere in the empire. So mm -hmm. like Australia, Canada, wherever they wherever the limeys went. They'd take some, they'd sell the Irish whiskey. Mm -hmm. But then because the Irish had the beef with the English, the English were like, all right, we're not going to do any trading. Mm -hmm. Then on top of all that, this is all because, <laughs> on top of all that then, the only country that was looking out for us was the United States. Okay. And then, of course, they decided to have prohibition. And that was just and the nail just, in the coffin. Yeah, that just So that put everything. like Irish whiskey to sleep for quite some time. So now in the last 20 years or so, it's starting to come back to life. But James and I, as I said, had a lot to do with making it fun and approachable. And Really? Uh, the time. cool thing about Irish whiskey is that they actually make whiskey just as good as scotch, but it doesn't have the uh, the ears and graces. Because when I think of scotch, I think of like Caddyshack. I think of the country club with the judge, yeah. like all those old yeah. people that hate yeah. me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know I mean? scotch does like, I don't want to say distinguish, but it just kind of gives you a different kind of thought process. Yeah, so basically, whereas Irish whiskey is just all about going out with your friends it's and fun. brings everyone together. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. you can spend, like you like red breast, so you, can, you can't spend money on it. And uh, it's only going to get better in the next couple of years. So I'm, it's I'm, a fun time. It's going to keep the Irish bars alive, thank God. Because yeah. we're hanging on by a thin thread right now. Why, why do you say that? Why do you say uh, We're not on? the cool bar. Like there was the whole mixology thing for a while and we weren't. We were more like, some people always said like, oh, the, but the Irish bar is the American bar. Right. right. Do you know what I mean? Because it's, it, it's always been there, but we we're just not, we weren't like the cool kids. You know, we didn't, weren't the uh, the mixologists and the, the cocktailogists. Mm -hmm. You know, we we're just like, how you doing? You want to have a pint of Guinness? You know, here you go. And uh, maybe that's just not, but not with not with me, not what I kind of like far as bar wise. Those are always the bar. I didn't. I never really like um, mixed stuff. I'm more of a on the rocks um, about as much as I like. I'm, I'm not a big mix. Put everything together. I'm like you. I'm like if the product is good. See, historically, cocktails were made during Prohibition. Uh -huh. America basically has invented the cocktail. Okay, because well, the liquor was that. so bad. That they had to make it palatable. They had to doctor it up. Yeah, because it wasn't legal. Like, you've got a cocktail like the Bronx, which is like a bathtub gin with different vermouth in it. Mm -hmm. um, but they'd make it so you could still enjoy it. Okay. Um, 
you know, and uh, that's why cocktails were developed originally. Okay. But now, flash forward to 2020, we have all this great liquor that's yeah. just like so good, and you know, their you know their distillers go to so great lengths, and you know, the guys that work in the Coopers who make the like, there's so much detail. Mm -hmm. It's like you don't have to like, there's not a, you don't have to do that much work. You know, you're trying too hard. Now, don't get me wrong, the 2000s were all about the speakeasy, and I think that's kind of starting to play out now. Mm -hmm. I think we're getting back to where the it's the friendly bartender. Yeah, like, you know, and that's where we should have been, but we're kind of getting back to where we. I've start, been to the, to the speakeasy before, like low lights, and it's like you gotta like sneak in there and everything else. I don't, those aren't my favorites. I just wanna. That's yeah, fun. It's a novelty, you know. But it's uh... yeah, it makes you feel like you're. And you know what? And then I remember at the beginning of the year, a lot of the New Year's parties were like um, Roaring Twenties parties because we were going into 2020. So there were a lot of, maybe they'll do that again for 21 since 2020. Oh, they will. When so COVID's was, over, it's yeah, going to be all, it's going to be bust. the Roaring Twenties. Yeah. Like I said, this this one was such a such a dud of a year. But we're still here. We just got to wait to see what's coming next. Um as far as another another drink wise, because you like have all of the information about the history of all of the different liquors, I like that's that's. I'm that's just a nerd, you know. I just like to read, and uh, as I said, Irish whiskey's gonna make a comeback. Like on, well, pretty much every podcast, I always talk about how much homework I have to do because, like, when the guests come on and they know about something, I want to know about it too. <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's just uh, you know, like right whiskey is really strong because uh, so what happened is all the people in Bought, they bought the cognac when Prohibition happened. All the rich people bought the cognac. Okay. So then the blue-collar people, they were more, they could get rye. They couldn't get cognac. So they had to get so kind of what what's rye, left. You know, but now rye, is, there's a rebirth of rye as well. Like Old Forrester has a really nice rye. Right. And uh, it's coming back. And it's But it's also, if you drink a lot of whiskey, like I used to drink a lot of whiskey, mm -hmm. and the problem with bourbon is it's too soft. Like your palate changes. And mm -hmm. then, okay, it's like when you go to Florida and you see grandma and she's having like a room temperature gin martini. Uh-huh. You know, because she's... And drinking her whole life, right? Yeah. If I drank that now, I'm going to curl up into the fetal position. Yeah? <laughs> but she's used to it. But it's for, So for me, with whiskey, it's like you drink Irish whiskey, which is kind of sweet. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds crazy when you think about brown liquor, when you think it's sweet, but it's not like No, really it, is, sweet, it is sweet. But it's yeah. a sweet finish to it. Uh, there's some cognacs have a sweet finish, like bourbon, A lot scotch. of the cognacs are sweet to me because like But the thing is, that's great. why I like I like rye because it has that kind of kick on the end of it. Yeah. You know, but I think if you drank rye at the beginning, you'd be like, Ugh, like a kid, you know, like, oh, this is, what is this? Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, cognac, yeah, it's a little too sweet for me. I'm, I'm not a um, huge cognac fan. If that's what's available and that's what you're offering me, I taste it, but it's not my go-to. Um, I remember one of my, um, a guy I worked with, my captain, his, his go-to drink was gin. And I was always taught that gin was like a very serious person drink. And then you can't shake it in a martini because then it bruises it and it's like all cloudy and ugly looking. So got any good gins, stories or anything? Uh, well, gin basically is uh, is grain alcohol mm -hmm. with jupiter berries. Okay. So you can make your own gin. gin like, gin is so easy to make. Mm -hmm. It's basically, so you could use like Everclear, you could use vodka, mm -hmm. you could, and you just put your stuff in there. You can make gin in a couple of days. You whiskey, just let it sit. Irish whiskey, you have to make, it takes three years to make it. You gin, you can make it in the morning. You can make it in a couple of days, you're good to go. Okay, so it's easy, breezy, simple, if that's what you want to go with. Um, so we talked about gin, we talked about vodka, you... you kind of told me you were talking about rum with the Bacardi people. I'm just trying to think of what's all, what all goes in a Rum is great, island. but it's like, uh, oh yeah, it all goes in there. But <laughs> right. Rum is great. It's just it's sweet. You know, it's made it's from sweet. sugar cane. Yeah, it's another one. It's great. I associate rum with like vacation. Like okay. A, a good daiquiri, like mm -hmm. a real daiquiri. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like uh, Cuba Libra, rum and coke. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course, the pina colada. Yep. Everyone loves the pina colada. Everybody knows the pina colada. You know, but right. you got to have it on the beach, you know, with, uh, yeah, not here. with all the beautiful people by yeah. the water. It's no fun in the winter. It's just, you know, Bahama Breeze and Schomburg <laughs> doesn't do it for me. Yeah, it doesn't It doesn't put my mind there. But me, when you're in Miami in the Keys or whatever, and you're, pay, you're in Ocean Drive, and you're paying, and then you get the check, and it's like, $42? What? <laughs> for one? Yeah. <laughs> We, when me and Ambrosia were um, doing our show, we had a like rum, rum-tastic episode because she was really big into rum. We talked about Sailor Jerry, Bacardi, and another couple, and just like kind of the whole history of where it came from. So, yeah, she knows all about all the alcohol lever. Oh yeah, this rum's got some great stories. Yeah. And things that has a holding, it would hold. The British sailors had it because it would it would hold. Yep. Whereas a lot of the other stuff would go bad. Yep. It was given to them as rations, and again, so anywhere you go in the world, you can get rum pretty much anywhere. And to speak to rum, so like you were saying, sailors, I have to add a fire story because I'm a fireman. And, and I don't know if I put this in the book or not. I have to reread it again. But the thing is, there was a wall collapse and. Um, one of the chiefs was out rationing rum to the firefighters to fight this fire that was going on for forever. And the wall, like like I said, collapsed on him. That's back before we could do, you know, we can't do that kind of stuff now. But And, and it just fell on him. But because he was a sailor and a lot of the um, sailors ended up being firefighters, that was the drink of choice for guys. And that, like, kind of gave them those rum muscles to be able to get the job done and do everything. So I hope they were at least um, feeling good before the worst happened to them. <laughs> but that's kind of what happened. So Yeah, it's, uh, it is flammable. <laughs> it is flammable. Well, it was inside them at that point. So, and like I said, the wall got them, not the, not the fire, but bad, bad for everybody. Crazy, crazy. <laughs> So, gin, vodka, rum, and whiskey, bourbon. Yeah, that's pretty much. Talked about tequila. That's pretty much. That's pretty. Mezcal. What about? Mezcal is very smoky. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think, from my limited understanding, obviously we don't sell a lot of mezcal. Our brand, we carry La Luna. That would be that's our main mezcal. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is uh, really good. It's got some really smokiness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but mezcal is kind of for right now. It's uh, you really have to go with whatever the brand is mm-hmm. because the regulations are kind of uh, it's cloudy. Does that make sense? It's uh, it's go mezcal's going through what tequila went through already. Like okay. to get to get the rating and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of an individual. It's like family to family kind of thing. If you know what I mean. Okay, I <clears throat> I do kind of understand what you're talking about. It's They're just... kind of going through the process. I'm sure in a couple of years it'll be solids. Right. Does that make sense? It does make sense. They are but you said you like Lafroig. Yes. Right? And you like, I recommended that Irish whiskey Connemara if you like smoke. Yes. But I think La Luna, their, uh, their mezcal has, if you like smoke, it's got some really nice smoke. Got a real smoky taste to it. Okay. I'm with that. It was one, two, two more alcohols I want to ask you about. Um, the Chicago Great Malort. What about... Um, you know anything about Malort? Yeah, so Malort was basically, uh, I think I believe it got set up by the Swedes when they moved here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a wormwood liqueur. Mm-hmm. And uh, during Prohibition, uh, this is a fun fact for you, Malort was, wasn't banned during Prohibition mm-hmm. because it was considered only to be used for medicinal purposes. Okay. So even back then, they're like, oh, no one's ever going to drink this in a bar. Let's have and it. Here we are in 2020, <laughs> and they're all like, yeah, give me a shot of Malort. Yeah. You know? Malort is what's it called the Chicago Handshake. Oh, like a PBR and a shot of Malort? Yeah. Or an old style and a shot of Malort? Yeah, because it's just like, and then it's like disgusting. Well, I like it, but people hate it. 
It's, it's either yeah, you, you love or you to, hate. You get used to it. Yeah, and like I said, I was hanging out in bars a lot at the time. Yeah, so. it doesn't work on you anymore. You're like, I, oh. I had a lot of handshakes. <laughs> yeah, it's like you, after a while you get like grapefruit notes off of it. Yeah, absolutely right, and that's why I said you get into all of those um, super descriptions. It would be very interesting. And the last one, um, I can't. I can think of the color of it, but I can't think of the name of it. It's like green, and you pour it over the sugar cube, and it's supposed to make you hallucinate. Oh, absence. Absence. Yeah, that one. Yeah, Vincent Van Gogh cut his ear off. Yes, yeah. that's the one. Um, any good? Any stories about? Uh, from what I gather, I do. Uh, the guys in New Orleans, uh, they um, distribute an absent called Lucid. Uh huh. Um, I from historically, it was banned in America for a long time. Right. Uh, but then uh, this guy called Tim Bro, he went through all the process with the government to get it back into the states. Mm -hmm. uh, it's made from like a root mm -hmm. uh, that grows under the ground, and then they ferment that, and that's how they make it. But historically, um, absent has a very for some reason, artistic people love it. Okay. Like Van Gogh used to drink it. You know Vincent Van Gogh? Yes, yes. Café de Nuit, one of my favorite paintings. Uh -huh. He uh, he used to drink it. You know, obviously things didn't work out so good for him because he <laughs> killed himself. But, uh, you know, uh, but also, uh, are you familiar with, um, have you ever seen that movie Fear and Loathing Las Vegas? No. I know, I know well, it, author, but I've never seen it. Hunter S. Thompson um, he used to drink that. He uh -huh. was the author of that book. He's also good friends with Johnny Depp. Mm -hmm. And he was a real oddball. He was, you have to read some of his books. It's fantastic reading. Okay. Um, but uh, Fear and Loathing. Homework, Fear, I'm with that. Yeah, read Fear <laughs> and Loathing, you'll laugh. There's just some stuff in the book. It's just, you don't know if it's real or if he's hallucinating. Uh -huh. um, yeah, so a lot of artistic people drink it because they think it's kind of got, uh, it's good for them or it's going to do some, help their creativity. I will check that out. So uh, obviously I would recommend to uh, drink responsibly. Well, that's with everything. But yes, sir. Is it especially that one? Because uh, it's just there's a lot of legendary stories, you know. It was a movie, I think, one of those silly movies, like I think Euro Trip or something like that, and they drank it, and like a little green guy that looked like Marvin the Martian, <laughs> not Marvin the Martian, the other um, Martian from the Flintstones, the one that had on the the helmet, and probably like. I saw it in reruns. Anyway, this guy was like chasing him around in the rest of the movie, but it had like a licorice taste because I had it before and it, no, it didn't. I didn't go crazy. So, or I might be crazy now. I don't know. We have to figure it out. Well, before we get out of here, Tony, is there anything that you want to say or promote or big up or anything? Uh, just watch out for my short when it comes out. It's, we'll just, we're going to call it the same as the series. It's going to be called Wide Awake 52. Wide Awake 52. Uh, you'll know all about, I'll be telling you all about it when it comes out. And uh, just, uh, it's okay not to be okay. And, uh, you know, if you're not feeling good, you know, just, you know, reach out to a friend. It only takes two minutes, you know. And uh, yeah, I'm sure there's someone out there. You can call me. Call you, you can call me, yeah, for you sure. Know, it's, uh, it's never that bad, you know. It's like, but we just need to say it's okay to ask for help. It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay to not be okay. I love that. That's a saying that I use a lot and tell people. And, you know, if somebody does take the time to reach out to you, even if you don't feel like you're the one that can help, I always suggest people direct them to somebody else. Like you say, oh, this is kind of heavy. Don't just put them off or take their feelings for granted. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's not a big deal. You know, it's okay to ask for help. It it, it, and it is only okay. takes you two minutes. Yep, I you had know, to... and there's a lot of people that are went through the same thing you're going through. It's not the end of the world. It's, yep, I had to learn and, that. Uh, lesson we just have myself. to start talking. We have to start just talking about things like that and just say, hey, this is just. We are, you know, it's like when you go have a toothache, what do you do? You go, go to, the, to dentist, the dentist, right? Yeah. But when we're hurt inside, we don't talk, we keep it up 
Especially, you know, I know the ladies be mad, but like, you know, being a guy and everything, it's like, oh, you're supposed to be tough. No, that's what we do. You you're, know? you're absolutely right. And that shouldn't be the case. You know, and then it just boils up and then it gets worse, you know, and it's like, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, COVID's going to be over soon mm -hmm. and it's going to be, uh, 21 is looking really good. 21 is looking great. You Anything know? is looking better than 20 <laughs> at this point. Don't worry, man. You can tell your grandkids about it. You survived the coronavirus. Oh, you know? man. That's, that's, that's... What did you do? Oh, I watched Netflix for like six months. My God. <laughs> that's that glass half full. I love that attitude. Right. You can you tell your grandkids about it. Like the person, the guest before, they said the books on this or the chapters in the history books on this. I said it's going to be a whole book itself. It's just going to be 2020, the book, the, the epic story. So... Tony, thank you very, very much for My coming pleasure. on. And I really look forward to checking out your web series, Wide Awake 52. I'm yes, with sir. that. Thank um, you. Thanks for having me on. With that being said, one more time before I get out of here, I do have to promote my buddy's um, clothing line, 13th Floor. He has that code department 3C or DEPT 3C for 15% off and Uplift, Empower, Elevate. And from me, Severin Henderson, you can find me at www.department3c.com. Soon, one day, eventually. <laughs> um, Department 3C is on Instagram, um, Facebook, Twitter. And if you want to follow me and hear my stories and see the little stuff that I put personally, I am Sevy. With that being said, talk to you later. This has been a Fire and Iron Media production. You have something to say, people want to listen. How's that, Daddy?